Hey guys, before we jump into this episode today, I just wanna let you know that I am opening the Traffic Accelerator for enrollment on Wednesday, February 1st. So that is two days from the time this episode is going live on Monday, January 30th. This program is totally transformative for people who have an Etsy shop or even are just getting started with an Etsy shop who want to grow their traffic, grow their conversion rate and their revenue, and really just scale their shop, particularly if what you are finding is you list things, they don't really get any traction, they don't really get a whole lot of traffic, Overall, you have pretty low traffic to your shop, and so therefore it makes it hard to make any kind of consistent sales at a high enough level to make selling on Etsy worthwhile. This program teaches you how to make sure that your products and your SEO and your titles, descriptions, all of the things that go into building on the Etsy platform are completely optimized for Etsy specifically to bring in traffic from the algorithm, from the search engine, so that you don't have to be the one that is promoting your shop all over the internet. If you have been waiting for this program, you have been wanting to join with a cohort group that is going to be working all together with the support and the community and all of that, make sure you head to trafficaccelerator.co to join the waiting list if you're not already on my email list. If you are already on my email list, you'll get plenty of emails about it, so just stay tuned for those. But if you're not, trafficaccelerator.co is where you can sign up for the waiting list. This is gonna be a pretty low-key enrollment period for me, so I'm not doing any kind of masterclasses, webinars, anything like that. This is just gonna be a, hey, if you're ready to sign up, if you're ready to get started, if you want to kick off 2023, redoing your shop, revamping it so that you can finally get some traction, get some momentum, build the traffic, and, and build the consistency of the sales that you're making, This program is for you and I hope that you will join us. I cannot wait to share with you the success stories that the student that I'm talking about or talking to in this episode is going to share with you and so many other success stories that I can't wait to share um, over the next week or so that that enrollment period is gonna be open. Trafficaccelerator.co again is that website and I hope I will see you inside of that program. Hey friends. You're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Crickets to Cha-Chings. My name is Lauren, and I'm really excited today to have the chance to talk with Stephanie Smadal of That Party Shop and hear about her journey to building a successful Etsy shop and the directions that her business has taken her and all the wisdom that she has to share with us. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to jump in. Can you first off just kind of introduce yourself and what you do in your shop and how you got started? Give us a little backstory. Yeah. So I started like a lot of people, I think in 2020. So I was just looking to do something creative. I've always, you know, been more of the artsy type and I had kind of gotten away from that. So 
I was just looking for something creative to do with my time. And I was planning a wedding at the time. So I kind of let that be my inspiration for what my shop was going to look like. So we were planning a destination wedding. So I'm thinking, what can I do for favors and bachelorette party? And I kind of just rolled with that. And so that's kind of what I centered my Etsy shop around doing, you know, party favors, mainly fun, like little hangover kits for bachelorette parties. And it's been going really well so far. It's really fun. So just out of curiosity, where did you have your destination wedding? It was just south of Cancun. And I can't even explain to you how much fun that week was. Just That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, it was gorgeous. You have your best friends and your favorite family members there with you for an entire week. It just, it was indescribable. Yeah, I'm jealous. I got married a long time ago, but I think that if I could go back now and do it all over again, I would totally do the travel wedding. That sounds like a really fun idea. (laughs) Right, exactly. Vow renewals. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Maybe for our 20th. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so you have this kind of artsy, crafty side of you that is doing this for yourself. How did that then change into a business or like did the business come, I guess, after the wedding or after you got back from doing all of that? Or how did that unfold? It came right smack dab in the middle. I just decided I'm going to do all of this stuff for myself. And so while I'm doing it for myself, let me just see. I'll post a few listings, see if those gain any traction. And they did. So then I, you know, I'm like, oh, this is kind of successful. Let me, you know, see how much I can push this and how much further I can take it. And so it got a little overwhelming doing that and wedding planning at the same time. But I'm really glad that I I kind of just dove right in right away. Yeah, I was going to say, as if planning your own wedding and doing the stuff yourself wasn't enough, you were just bored. So you decided to start a business. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. (laughs) I think that that's true for a lot of us, like who kind of get into business doing something that is either directly for ourselves, like yours was, or has kind of been born from like people asking you for stuff or whatever, but it kind of happens, you know, in an organic way where it changes into a business. But I do think at some point it becomes like necessary for you to shift away from only doing the things that appeal to you and then getting into understanding who your customer is and stuff a little bit on a broader scale other than just like, I made this for my wedding. So it's the only thing I'm going to sell. Right. Did you find that to be true? Or can you talk a little bit about how that shifts into like a larger scale business than just the things that you had created for your own wedding? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I had a very, you know, specific idea of what I wanted for my own wedding. And so I tried to just simplify that specific idea down to where, you know, it could be applied for anyone for example, I had very tropical looking hangover kits, for example, for my wedding. And I just tried to simplify that down as far as possible to reach a a broader scale of people looking for bachelorette party favors. And then just kind of taking that kind of broad idea of bachelorette parties a little bit further, like what else do people use for bachelorette parties? They you know, buy matching shirts or bridesmaids, you know, proposals, gifts, and kind of just exploring that whole, I don't want to say niche market, because it's the wedding market is so big, but kind of exploring what all of that looks like and what's popular, you know, in the moment. 
and just kind of rolling with that. Yeah, I love that idea. And I love like sort of the systematic way of thinking through that. I think that I have that conversation a lot with people like, okay, well, this one thing is selling well. So where else can you go from there? Either complementary products that are in the same kind of like category that you're selling in, or, you know, other ways to make the market broader on that same like I see in your shop now you have like holiday hangover kits and Mm -hmm. (laughs) things like that. So like to take the idea of something that's popular or something that has sold well for you and make it appeal to a different market while still basically being the same product. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And there's so many I tried to do one for, you know, the 4th of July or, you know, what are some other holidays that are very popular? What are, you know, some, I mean, I'm from Wisconsin, so I feel like there's a lot of drinking holidays, (laughs) but, you know, kind of taking that idea and spreading it across as many different events, so to say as possible. Yeah. I think that that's really, really smart. Okay. So walk me through 2020, you get started. What does like the first iteration of your shop look like with the products that you have started with, with your own wedding? What were those initial products, I guess, first off? Yep. It was a very basic, I had one listing and there was a different choices within the one listing. And it just simply said hangover kit or something else that's a little bit more explicit that I don't know if I can really say on the podcast. (laughs) This is a clean show. (laughs) Yes. You know, you had two or three choices. I think it was hangover kit. I regret nothing. And then the more explicit ones. I mean, I gave you know, the customer's choices to whether or not, you know, they'd like to customize it. So, you know, hangover kit and then, you know, Stephanie's bachelorette party or something like that. And it kind of took off a little bit quicker than I thought it was going to. And so for the first, I would say three or four months, I just stuck to that one listing. And then I finally started kind of branching out and creating other designs. But yeah, the first three months, I think, you know, I I was averaging... 20 or 30 orders kind of by that three to four month mark, which was super exciting because I just didn't think that people would be that interested. <laughs> That's cool. 20 to 30 orders in what time frame? I would say in the first two months, two, three months. Cool. Yeah. So one of the things that you talked about when you applied to be on the show was Using like mock-ups and online resources, I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, but for kind of like testing products, trying stuff out versus like taking pictures and having to do that part of the work yourself. Can you talk about that a little bit more or talk a little more in depth about what you mean there? Yep, definitely. So for the first, I would say six months to a year or so, every time that I came up with a new design, you know, I would cut it out and basically use materials that I had bought to, you know, create a batch of mock-ups essentially to take pictures of, to post. And finally, I was just like, what? There has to be a better way to do this because I don't want to waste so many materials if, you know, this item doesn't end up being a good seller. And so I'm not exactly sure where I'm sure everyone has heard of Canva by this point, but I've really utilized Canva to make mock-ups. So simply taking one picture of a blank holographic bag, which is the base of my product, and then creating the designs on Canva and putting it right over top of that bag. So it looks like I've made it, 
ultimate looks like a physical product, but it's, you know, really just a mock-up. And those tools have so many different things that you can utilize. You know, when we take pictures of mock-ups, we like to have a nice background or a nice, you know, like flat lay to make the picture look as professional as possible. And there's so many free flat lay mock-ups on Canva that you can just put your picture right on top of. And it takes that picture from being obvious that you took it on your desktop versus, you know, now I have a really professional looking listing and it, it didn't take a significant amount of effort or time to get that outcome. Okay. So this is really interesting because I obviously know what mockups are <laughs> and have used mockups a lot, but you're really talking in Canva about making your own mockups. Mm -hmm. which I think is a really interesting idea, especially for products that you have that, you know, you might not be able to find a mock-up of it online, like the survival kit, hangover kit type things, where there might not be a mock-up that you could just buy. But to be able to do that and like then just switch out the words or whatever you need to switch out is really, really smart. I've actually never really thought about doing that. <laughs> so I have a question for you in looking at your shop you have candles and stuff. Are those mock-ups in the sweatshirts? Are those things that you're actually making or are these print on demand? Yep. So the sweatshirts, candles and notebooks are the print on demand items, but all of the hangover kits or like the drink floaty things are mock-ups that were made in Canva. Yep. So I have kind of a, a mixture in there. Yeah. So that's a really great idea though. And even if you were to do, not necessarily for you, because you've obviously done, you know, you're doing well with the mock-ups that you have, but for other people, if you were, let's say selling candles and you only had a couple of different like colors of the actual mm -hmm. candle or labels or whatever, you could do something very similar in Canva or Photoshop if you know how to use Photoshop, but to be able to just take like one picture and change out the text and stuff. One thing I think that's beneficial about this is like kind of starting me down a whole mental rabbit hole here <laughs> of making your own mock-ups is one thing that I see sometimes that I think that is detrimental to mock-ups is that for some of the larger places that people buy them from, you'll end up with many, many shops that are using the same mock-ups. And so then that even if the design on the shirt or whatever is different, you have that repetition of like the flat lay and stuff, which then people can tell that it's a flat lay. But, you know, the idea of doing it yourself, even if it was a flat lay or like a folded t-shirt or something like that is really, I never thought about using Canva for that. I thought, you know, you really had to know how to do it in Photoshop, which is a lot more complicated. That's a really great tip. Yeah, it's Canva is so easy to use and I don't dare go down the Photoshop rabbit hole. I applaud people who know how to use that well and I just it would be overwhelming to me, I think. So Canva works really well. Yeah, Canva's a lot more intuitive. I can use Photoshop. I know Photoshop on a need to know basis. Like sure. I, I have a handful of things that I need to know how to do and that's all I know how to do. <laughs> So another thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit more that you talked about in your application form was talking about like trending things. So we've talked about taking, you know, these kits and making them into different holidays and stuff. Where do you get inspiration for or how do you really know? I would imagine in the bridal market, like a lot of markets, but I think 
the one-time event markets are a little more trendy than some other things would be. How do you know like where the industry is going or what could be something that you can like carve out your little part of that category that makes you able to to stand out or to have your place of sales in this larger category of wedding stuff? Yeah. So with weddings, people are so particular about them, specifically women who are planning their weddings. So, you know, using online resources like the knot.com or Zola or those wedding planning websites, they always update, you know, articles, the 55 best bachelorette party themes for 2022. And kind of just reading articles like that, they're, I don't know exactly where they're surveying or, you know, how they're determining this, but it seems to be pretty spot on. And then just kind of staying attuned with, you know, where is pop culture right now? You know, what's popular, what's popular in music or TV. There's different fandoms, I guess you could call them that are very, very popular or hardcore. So you can kind of go down those niche rabbit holes. And then when you do niche down that specifically, let's say, you know, like a Taylor Swift themed bachelorette party, there's not going to be a whole lot of search for that. So being able to kind of niche down that far is super helpful. And yeah, like I said, just doing research, simply Googling, you know, top bachelorette party themes, TikTok, I'm on, you know, wedding TikTok. So seeing, you know, what people are posting about is also really helpful. I think that that's super smart. And I completely agree with you. I have people that come to me a lot who will say, and I think that they've like seen this on like YouTube videos or something. They'll be like, you know, what software do I use? E-Rank or Marmalade, or there's like a bajillion of them, but like, so that I can just find out what's trending. (laughs) And I'm like, you have to know your own industry, you know, like you have Mm -hmm. to have at least some mild level (laughs) of interest in your own industry to know like, Yes, you can look at, you know, Google SEO search results and see what Google says are the top searches. And there is some value in that. But when you're looking to those larger things, like, you know, you're not competing with the not.com, you're using the not.com to say, you know, I'm going to look on these articles, or I'm going to use this resource that all the people in my industry or a large portion of them are also using. Mm -hmm. So then you can know, you know, what they're being exposed to, and meet them where they are. I did that in my when I started making appliques for nursery stuff, I would like go to Pottery Barn. And look, you know, because if you're looking for baby nursery bedding, Pottery Barn is like one of the top ones that has a lot of different selection. And I would use those same colors. So if a mom bought this, you know, Brooklyn bedding set, then my burp cloth set coordinated with the colors of that. I think that that is a really smart way of doing it. And it's something that, you know, people want to just be able to like go to a website and have somebody tell them everything that's popular. But you really have to be able to get into what the people that you're selling to are being exposed to in order to know kind of where they're at or what themes they're being approached with or whatever, whatever the product is. So Stephanie, as we're kind of like wrapping up here, what kind of advice would you have to somebody who says, well, you're doing really well, you've had over a 1000 sales, you haven't been in business that long, and you are in a very competitive industry. So for people who say like, 
I'm just getting started and my industry is really saturated or whatever. Obviously, that has not been a hang up for you. So what advice would you have, I guess, for people who are stuck there, but they're wanting their shop to grow and they're wanting to figure out how they can find their little corner of a niche to be able to have those sales? So, I mean, I started, I think, listening to this podcast in early 2021, and I learned just a ton about SEO that I know for sure was vital in making my shop successful, especially to me, at least it seemed, you know, like right away. And so just paying attention to the resources that are available out there, whether that be, you know, listening to this podcast or checking out, you know, the documents that you have that you, you know, send new subscribers researching, you know, stuff on TikTok, not all of the information, of course, on there is going to be accurate, but just, you know, finding the free resources um, that you can use to help yourself be successful. You know, you're not just going to post a product and have it take off right away. You have to, you know, understand how to make it take off. Um, And there's a a lot out there um, that's available to help us learn. And then, you know, once you feel settled in that, you know, like I personally enrolled in the traffic accelerator course in August and it set me up incredibly for the holidays. I posted a bunch of new stuff and I felt like they immediately took off within the first couple of weeks. It was super exciting to see how that information that I learned in that course just kind of come to life in my shop. So, you know, free podcasts like this one, downloads, like I said, TikTok, there's Printify that has resources on there too. So just really, you know, if you're going to start a shop is to just kind of dive in and absorb as much information as you can. I love that. And I think that that's really sound advice. I think that it is one thing that I have heard from you throughout this whole, you know, 20 minutes or whatever that we've been recording is like that you went into this with a product, obviously, that you are making for yourself, but then from there, really strategically thinking through what you're going to do and how you're going to make that appeal to people and what your next steps are. And I think that what you said is so true. Like, it's not just a matter of putting up a listing and then people like stumble upon it and you sell a bajillion dollars. <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't happen that easily. And even though, you know, you and I and everybody else wishes that it would, that's not the reality of it. So putting in that time and putting in that work to just really think it through and it doesn't happen haphazardly. And I think that you've been really smart in the way that you've done it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I think I have 250 active listings on my shop. Are all of them successful? 100% no. But I think having a shop where you are excited about what you're selling or, you know, what you're creating, it just allows those creative juices to constantly flow. So you're constantly putting new stuff out, you know, definitely helps too. I think a shop that has more listings or has consistent new listings is going to do better as well. So having a shop where you're, you know, excited about what you're selling or you're passionate about what you're selling is pretty important as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think just the willingness to like put up new listings recognizing that not 100% of them are going to be successful, like that's not even the expectation. Yep. But the expectation is more like you try it and you see what happens and maybe you learn something or you get a custom request or something like that and it can evolve and get to where you want to be. Exactly. 
Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for doing this today and for recording with me and also for being patient with me and rescheduling my <laughs> recording with you. But can you tell everybody where to find you, how they can look at your shop, check you out, follow you on socials, all the things? Yep. So you can find me on Etsy at That Party Shop with two Ps. Same on Instagram, although I will say my social media is slacking and that is a 2023 New Year's resolution. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for coming and doing this today and sharing all of the insight. This is really great. And I hope that everybody finds it really helpful. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in. I would love to continue this conversation and connect with you over on Instagram. I am at lauren.keplinger and I am in my DMs and interacting with people all the time. So if you have questions about the episode, follow up, thoughts, comments, whatever, shoot me a DM and I would love to connect with you. I will see you back here, same time, same place next week. Bye for now.